Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge Boudreaux, again joined by my lovely co-host Shelly Billinghurst. Shelly, how you doing? I'm doing great, Serge. Thanks for having me back. No, it, I, it's I, you. Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> might as well so have kind you of back. You. Exactly. So I know we talked on our last episode, and I know you and I, um, even over the weekend, we were like so excited because we've been wanting and thinking, would there ever come a day where we could invite Terry Baker, the CEO of Panda Logic, onto the show? So I am thrilled that we have him here today. Terry, welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Thank you, Serge and Shelly. That was a great introduction. I, I don't know who's more thrilled, but this is exciting. <laughs> don't let that go to your head, Terry. She has a tendency to butter up all our guests. So, just- Honestly, Terry, we've been talking about programmatic. We get asked about it all the time. So to have someone such as yourself, the CEO of Pandologic, to have you on the show is just fantastic. Here's where I'd like to start, though, is help the audience um, get to know you a little better. Share with us your journey into recruitment and the recruitment technology world. Sure. You should know first, I'm a software entrepreneur by trade. So okay. I've done some software startups. And I had a, a software exit, a 3D graphic software company. Um, that was sold, and I began to do some work and trying to figure out what I wanted to do next in life. And I was on the board of a company that did intelligent agent work for the U.S. government, kind of cyber contract work. And so when you talk about AI, this is 20 years ago. This is pre-2000. And they had a project where they would go out and start sourcing and contacting individuals on this new internet capability called news groups. And so we built this technology and it worked. And I was on the board of this company and I began to think about how to apply this. And a healthcare company came to us and said, we'd love to find a healthcare worker. So we ran a project, a pilot, and the thing took off. And in fact, it got HR Magazine Innovation Award of the Year. And so that was the beginning of a company called Advanced Recruiting Technology. I started prior to year 2000. And it was basically just sourcing off the internet news groups. And a fun fact there, one of the first news groups we sourced from was a small little group in San Francisco called Craigslist. And this is during the Wild West days when there were people on news groups, but there wasn't any GDPR, CCPA. There was no privacy. There were no guidelines. And we started sourcing and replicating Craigslist. And next thing I got this nice little letter from Craig, cease and desist. And he called me up and we had a good discussion. And that's when uh, we began to define how to do this in a world of security privacy that added value for candidates. And so that kind of transitioned our company. We launched 18 months later, just before the dot-com burst, sold that company to Hire.com, spent a few years at Hire.com. That's before Vettery bought bought the URL. So Hire.com was an ATS company, sold that to PeopleClick, Authoria, And then I went into the job board world and so went to the other side of the equation and worked with uh, media companies launching job boards. And I was recruited by this Israeli startup company called Real Match. And they wanted to build private label job boards for media companies. So we launched that. And in 2012, we delivered the first programmatic ad unit. So what we did is we powered 
private label job boards like the New York Times, like HR.com. Mm-hmm. And we would exchange ads amongst these private label job boards. So for a fee, you'd post a job and we would take that job and programmatically campaign it. This was before the notion of programmatic. This was just kind of job distribution to get more traffic. And then as the world of consumer programmatic and consumer advertising took off in the marketing world, billions of dollars went into programmatic. It went from 0% adoption to 90% in seven years. At this company, RealMatch, we would begin to see that evolution and the big spend. And that gave us a playbook to decide where did we feel we could add the most value when we pivoted. So RealMatch became PandaLogic. That was in 2018, changed the name of the company. We still operate a very large job network called the Job Network. Very innovative name, don't you think? (laughs) And and so that's a network of private label job board sites. If you go to the New York Times today and you click on their T-Jobs, that's our software. We manage their job inventory and we enable those jobs to, you know, propagate around the internet to go to sites like ZipRecruiter and others and and drive candidates and deliver them to employers on that site. In 2018, we decided we wanted to be on the demand side of the ecosystem. So in programmatic, there's supply side operators like the Indeeds, the aggregators and the likes. And then there's the demand side, the people that service the employers. And it's our contention that you really can't do both. You got Indeed trying to play on both sides of the fence now with Indeed IQ. But if you're an employer, you want a trusted platform that you can give money to, and they're going to find the best traffic, the best candidates for their jobs. So we pivoted and since then never looked back and we're now a fairly you know, significant player in the programmatic space. Thank you for that breakdown. So I'm curious. So you mentioned a couple of things on the consumer marketing side. So programmatic has been on the consumer marketing side probably early 2000. And I I think you're right. 2010 is where it really started taking a a massive market share of what the advertising was being spent out there. But so let's talk about programmatic for recruitment, though. We most of our listeners are either TA leaders or practitioners. And there's still some confusion of actually what is programmatic? Can you talk to us like we're five years old and explain (laughs) what programmatic is and how it worked in the recruitment function? Sure. Quite simply, it's just placing the right ad, the right job description on the right site at the right time for the right candidate at the right price. And if you have somebody that can do that for you automatically in an automated fashion, it saves you a lot of time and effort because today, What most TA organizations do is they take their jobs and they send some to Monster, Career Builder, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and they have to figure out which job should go where. And actually software should just do that for you, make it simple, make it easy. And one of the really big attractive benefits is the whole vendor management side, right? At the end of the quarter, you don't have to have 10 QBRs with 10 different vendors who are all pitching their wares, trying to get more of your budget, and you got to figure out how to allocate it. The other really big benefit for TA folks is you should have one place where you can see the conversion estimates and KPIs for your talent acquisition. You should see what your CPC, CPA cost per hire is, what the conversion rates are, because those KPIs tell you how effective a sourcing operation you have. And it's not just about the programmatic vendor, it's about your corporate career site, your employer brand, all the things that compel 
a candidate to apply to a job on your site. That is a pretty good explanation. So I'm a client for Panda Logic. How am I paying? How am I being charged? How does that work? You have a choice. That's one of the differentiators between us and others in the marketplace. If you're a high volume hiring company and you have significant competition and you're in a very difficult, tight talent uh, marketplace, you would probably prefer a CPC model because a CPC model is going to enable you to actually validate what's the cost to be on page one on any one of these job aggregators. The other model is CPA, which is you just pay per applicant. And the problem with the CPA model, it's great for some that are easier to acquire job scenarios because it de-risks the whole thing. If I just pay you for an applicant, I don't have to worry about what you have to do to convert somebody from Indeed to come onto the site and to apply. I just take the applicant when it's completed and I pay you for it. The problem with that is if you don't pay me the right price for that applicant and the market dynamics are such that you're not competitive, you're just not going to get the volume. Mm -hmm. That's why high volume hires, they prefer a CPC model where they can go and test the ceiling for what is the market rate to actually be number one on Indeed on this site. And I want to occupy that position. Makes a lot of sense. I, I'm curious when it comes to Pandologic and its place in the market, because if we looked and you mentioned it, so there's been tons of acquisition in the programmatic space. If you look at, I think it was 2019, might be 2018, where so you, we saw AppCast get acquired. We saw ClickIQ get acquired by Indeed. Then TMP purchased their own solution as well. So what does it look like for Pandologic? Because in reality, you're one of the last independent ones. There's Jovio. I think is, is the other player and there's new players coming in the game, but where yeah. do you see Pandologic going? What's your plan? Yeah. You're right. That was an interesting time. There were five programmatic vendors purchased in 30 days in July. Yeah. And we participated in all those discussions. We felt, frankly, it was too early in the market to sell the company. If you look at the marketing life cycle, the technology adoption curve, um, we're still just beginning to transition from the innovators, early adopters to the early majority. That means 80% of this market is still out there, untapped and ready for conversion. Most of the vendors in the space, they sold at 5% adoption, 95% of the market yet to be obtained. And we looked at that and said, we'd rather have a valuation based upon 80% adoption than 5%. So we, uh, we were profitable. We didn't need the capitalization. And so that gave us the ability to remain independent, which I think is an important capability and, and, a, and a really important position. Programmatic should be the Switzerland of job advertising because mm -hmm. it, on the demand side, it's up to us to find the best price, best site for an applicant and not have to have a job board owner like Stepstone saying, our job boards ought to be top of the list, don't you think? Or indeed, IQ saying, well, Glassdoor I, indeed might be the best candidate sources. What do you think? That makes a lot of sense. And so do you know what I think people still struggle with is it seems like magic, like what you're talking about. It's like, how do you do that when we can't logically make sense in our own head? Because we're conditioned, the job board historically is you post a job for 30 days and then you wait and we know what it's going to cost. And then we just hope to God that we get enough candidates or the candidate we're looking for. When someone takes a look at Pandal Logic and, and what the technology does, help us get our heads past 
just X dollars to post for X days. And so trying to figure out if the type of candidate I'm looking for, where are they looking? How do you know where they're looking? And how do you know, how does the technology know if I'm looking for truck drivers and I'm looking for truck drivers in a heavily densely populated um, province here in Canada, like how would the system know where to go? You wouldn't know unless you had the performance data. And that's one of the advantages we can't we brought to the demand side of the equation. Having operated private label job boards for 12 years, we had a ton of performance data for every job type across every conceivable hiring category, from financial wow. to manufacturing to tech. And so when clients engage us, one of the hardest things for TA to understand about programmatic is what's the right budget? You're, this programmatic mm-hmm. thing's supposed to save me money. Is supposed to have lower cost, higher yeah. volume. What would you recommend for budget? What we do is we take a client's jobs. We run them through our predictive engine. We utilize machine learning, data modeling. Every job description, uh-huh. we decompose through a natural language processor down into 62 different data points. We use those 62 data points for targeting on sites. And so we can provide to clients and prospects prior to spending any money, we can provide them a prediction report on an aggregate as well as job detail level that gives them the optimal budget recommendation. And they can take that and then we'll manage campaigns to that prediction. And we're today at about 90% accurate on our predictions. So there is market noise. There's things that change from day to day Mm -hmm. in the marketplace. But when you can start your campaign at 90% accuracy, it gives you a huge leg up because most programmatic vendors are essentially A-B tests, manual A-B tests. They write the rules for the campaign. They run the test. They wait a week. They wait two weeks. They come back. They see the results. Oh, we spent too much here. We could optimize there. They rewrite the rules and they run another A-B test. A-B testing is just wasting dollars. And if you can come and manage that in real time with automation, Mm -hmm. that's where all the waste is. And that's where we save clients a -hmm. lot of money. Mm -hmm. So tell me again, for those of us who are still struggling to get our head around it, what is the big difference between, I, I think you just explained it, but we keep also thinking about how when you post on ZipRecruiter, it says your job is going out to 100 job boards. And I'm thinking, who's looking on these job boards? Like, there's really how many dominant players? And unless you've been living under a rock, are there hundreds? Really? And are people really looking at hundreds of different job boards? There there are, but there shouldn't be for a particular job. If you're just posting and spraying out to hundreds of sites, yep. you're doing your clients a disservice for two reasons. One is you're creating job duplication and competition, and that drives up the rates, right? If I'm a job seeker hmm. and I can imagine that, and I go to next, I see the same job. You're creating competition. And so one of the values of programmatic that, not all programmatic vendors do, but should be required is control of job syndication. So our contracts and relationships with publishers ensures that that the job and the space and the traffic that we're paying for is unique. It's not driving up costs because there's duplication and we know what sites that job might be syndicated to. And that's not easy to do because there's still a kind of broken ecosystem for job distribution in our market today. Mm-hmm. So you need a vendor that is conscious to that and is going to employ it and, and enforce it and manage it. Awesome. 
Thank you. I've always thought it was nuts. Like, why would you want to blast your job out to a hundred job boards? Why would you do that? Like if I'm trying to recruit nurses, are there a hundred job boards for nurses? And, and one thing a programmatic vendor should be able to give to a client is transparency on which jobs on which sites produced results. Produced results, yeah. Yeah, so you should be able to see, okay, how much of my spend actually went to Indeed versus this? And how well did Indeed convert? What was our conversion rate for my job type? So we provide that detailed reporting. It's all aggregated. So I don't have to go get my file from last quarter's career builder results and then get my file from Indeed results. And oh, a click on Indeed is not the same as a click on career builder. How do you compare the data? You need somebody to do it for you. I, I agree completely. So one of the things that I, I find really interesting, I recently read a research that basically targeted clients using programmatic in the recruitment space. And the numbers were overwhelmingly positive. So it was close to 95% of the people that used it actually saw a reduction in spend, which there you go. That's incredible return on investment. If you're getting the results that you're trying to drive and you're getting less spend, but here going to Canada is the adoption rate is minimal. Really programmatic is not taking a step in the recruitment marketing space here in Canada. So I'm curious, why do you think that we're seeing success in the US? We're seeing adoption every year. It's increasing dramatically. But in Canada, we're not seeing any adoption or very low adoption. What's the lever that we need to pull yeah. here in Canada to see programmatic uh, take the next step? Yeah. I have a theory about that. And first of all, we do have clients in Canada. They're high volume clients. So I would characterize them as early adopters or innovators. They jumped onto programmatic early, but the breadth of the market are not going to be the kinds of organizations that want to take the risk, right? Mm -hmm. Let somebody else figure it out. So when we talk to organizations in Canada, one of the first questions they ask us is who else is doing this? Can you give me a reference? And when you have people asking those kinds of questions, it's a signal to you that they're not the early adopters. They don't want the risk. They, this thing has to work. It has to be easy. It has to be out of the box. I don't need to hire a data analytics person to manage my programmatic campaign or it's not going to happen. So I think we're one of the few vendors that has recognized the way we have sold programmatic in the past has got to change if we're going to reach the late adopters and yeah. the folks who just don't want risk. They're willing to try it, but it better work out of the box. And I, I, you know, I just can't invest any more within my organization to make this work. Most platforms, they don't have what we call automated decisioning. You get great job distribution. You get a huge network. You can send it. You get good reporting. But somebody still has to write the rules for the campaign to govern the campaign. Who's going to do that in an organization? Are you going to let a recruiter do that? It's not really their job. Do they really know what the effective CPC rate is for any job at any day on any site in the market? They don't. So they want something that's, I, we use an analogy of self-driving cars, right? And you look at the early adopters of self-driving cars. I've driven in Teslas. I don't own one, but it's an amazing experience when you first drive a Tesla. It's scary actually at first. It's, wait a minute, what if I need to change lanes and there's a car? What, how's this going to work? And over time, you get used to it. In fact, you become dependent upon it and you rely on it. And it becomes the most efficient way to get from point A to point B safely, actually. But you have to be at the point where the Tesla is going to work so seamlessly that you're not going to worry about it. You're not going to have your hand on the brake or your, your hand on the wheel, the foot on the brake and gas. You, you just let the GPS take over and run. I think that's 
if you have a product that is at that point, then it's ready for adoption. People can yeah. get in the car, get behind the wheel, push the button, it starts and it runs and they can enjoy the ride. Most programmatic platforms, they're cars with cruise control. And I can set the cruise control and go down the highway at you know 60 miles per hour or whatever. But if traffic changes, what do you do? You gotta take over, you gotta drive, you gotta, you gotta manage the commute. That's what programmatic is for most people and they just don't wanna manage the commute. So is that the big difference between uh, Pandologic and Jovio and AppCast? What differentiates yourself from those other major competitors yeah. in this space? Most of the competitors in our space, they talk about automated and smart job distribution, and that's great. But that's the easy part. The hard part is the automated decisioning, mm. that Tesla model. Uh, and that's where real machine learning, real algorithmic, big data, taking over, letting the platform drive, letting the platform decide how to allocate the budget, letting the platform decide what sites to target, what sites to cut off when they're not converting. And it's when you have that kind of automation, you can operate at scale. Because if you have to go in and manually, a human intervention, turn the dials and hit the knobs and all the levers, then you're never going to scale. Yeah. So I think that's the difference. And it was, I think, 2020 that... HR tech, do you remember? No, actually 2019, the last HR tech, we were all there in person. Mm -hmm. There were about 300 companies that announced AI capability. It was everywhere on the floor. You walk into yeah. a booth, what do you do? Oh, we're AI enabled, whatever. <laughs> like, okay, everybody's doing AI. HRPolicy.org, the largest trade association for CHROs, this is going to be a problem because how is every employer going to validate this? HR organizations are the most susceptible to bias and actually screwing mm -hmm. up. And AI can do that. So what happens, right? Amazon famously had yeah. you know, yep. AI they built that was hiring a bunch of men, right? Because guess what? That's who they were. That's who wrote the AI. They created a software review committee. They invited all the HR tech people that wrote press releases. I think there were about 85 submissions. There were 12 badges awarded. And this was a rigorous process. There was a legal process to validate, you know, to ensure there wasn't bias. There was a technology evaluation and we got two of those 12 badges. So I would say to you, Serge, if, you know, somebody's saying, Hey, we're AI enabled programmatic, make them prove it. Where is AI showing up in the use of their system? Where is AI saving manual intervention from users time in order to make things easier? So we've proven we got badged, and I think that's a big differentiator for us. So Terry, it sounds like you're clearly well ahead of where, where Canada is, and you're right. Canada does tend to be late adopters. There are some, you're right, there's some early adopters who are willing to get in there and get ahead of their competitors. So when you look at the programmatic market, in maybe in the U.S., because it's certainly where it's it's growing the most, what sort of innovations might be coming. Can you give us any clues or hints? Sure. There's lots of innovations coming. One is our vision is to own the top of the recruitment marketing funnel. And today, programmatic, it's just largely job boards, job search. Yep. But there's lots of ways to get in front of candidates with programmatic techniques, whether it's you know branded advertising on social sites, whether it's define the ideal candidate profile and do database sourcing and engagement with you know, bot conversations and things like that. All of these should be under a single 
programmatic capability that still gives you the ability to plan and predict. Because at the end of the day, it's for talent acquisition, it's connecting what's my required budget to meet the number of hires. And what happens in between that I don't really want to have to worry about? It's like, here's my hire needs. Here's a budget. Tell me if that's the right budget to meet those needs. And then once you do that, then we'll focus on quality. So one of the big things is it's fun for us to talk about programmatic and real-time bidding and algorithms and you know, machine learning and data models. At the end of the day, clients, they just want to know, how are you delivering quality hires and how can I change the quality metric? And today they're asking another question. How do I change the diversity metric? Because diversity has not been plugged into the programmatic model yet. Just wait, but yet it hasn't. And most diversity hiring is still out of the mindset of compliance. I need to make sure, you know, that I'm posting jobs on diversity sites, but you don't really know if you're getting candidates and you can't really predict whether you're turning the needle on performance of diversity hires. Your programmatic system should do that. And it should be able to give you a benchmark on quality. And there's lots of different ways to benchmark. Quality is a very subjective term, right? If you ask a hiring manager about quality, they're going to argue with the recruiter about quality, right? And quality comes in lots of different definitions, but you should be able to, at the very least, decide for yourself what constitutes a quality hire for your company. And then how does your programmatic vendor actually make that happen? How can they determine certain criteria for a candidate is being met, either through the candidate application process or even downstream? Did they get an interview? Did they get an offer? Did they get hired? If they got hired, you got to assume that at least there was some level of quality, maybe not the desired one they want, but some level. It shows at least a process validation of a quality hire. So we're working on both ends of that, the process side, as well as the designated definition of what a quality or a diverse candidate means and how to get them into the pipeline and to get them through and then to optimize. Once you've found you can deliver a certain profile of a quality hire for a company, then you've got all the data behind it to go optimize for the next hire and just continual improvement of that process. I, I am really interested uh, by what you said. Right now, programmatic in this space is leverage for job board, but there's so much more outside of traditional advertising models that you could leverage. While we have you, you obviously have a deep understanding of job boards. What's your thoughts on Zip Recruiter prepping for IPO? What's your hot take on that? I hope they do. I hope they have a huge IPO. We need more diversification in that marketplace. I think they have a strong team. They've raised capital. They have a strong product. I'd, I'd love to see them go IPO with a huge number and get the validation in the marketplace. Whether that'll happen, I don't know, but I would I'd participate in that IPO. It's funny because my prediction that I've been saying for probably two years now is I, I think Recruit Holdings is going to find a way to bring them, them into the glass door indeed loop is my prediction. Don't understand antitrust laws in the U.S. as much as probably someone like you, but I'm still sticking by that prediction. I can't see recruit, let zip recruiter, yeah. but. There's so many new ways to go public nowadays. You got SPACs and SPACs, they raise the money in advance. They build their pipe of, of investors and then they pick the company. If Zip wanted to be public tomorrow, they could pick a SPAC and be public pretty quickly. They don't have to go through the roadshow formal mm -hmm. IPO. Process. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's more ways to get there, but I, I hear what you're saying about Recruit Co. Uh, I don't think that would be good for the market, to be honest. No, I agree. 
I don't think it'd be good at all. Right. But that doesn't mean that it's not the right thing for a recruit. Terry, for everyone listening, what's the easiest way, first of all, to get a hold of someone you want to demo with Pando Logic and you want to learn about programmatic? How did they get a hold of your team? And on the second note, how did they get a hold of you if they want to talk recruitment and get your insights? Love to be able to connect with you. Yeah, pandologic.com. You can go to the site and fill out a form for a demo request and you'll get a response. If somebody wants to reach out to me, my email is simple. It's just tbaker, T-B-A-K-E-R at pandalogic.com or on LinkedIn, which is where I met Shelly mm-hmm. and where I met you, Serge. So finally, nice to actually see you guys in person. Yes, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show as well. Terry, that was fabulous. I'm thinking I'd like to put in my order right now that we could have you back. <laughs> Can we put a... <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to buy programmatic. There's so much more I want to ask, Terry. We're down to our last few minutes here, but there's so much that I wanted to ask, Terry. Bring him on again. I like it. So we reserve the right to have you back. How about that? I reserve the right to join you. So (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. That will be fantastic. Terry, thank you so much for your time today and a fascinating discussion. There's some great stuff I learned today. So thank you so much. Thank you. Shelly, Serge, see you again. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.